Good morning, Westside. As Pastor Jason said, grab that Bible, Philippians chapter 2, towards the back in those sticky pages, in those sticky pages. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, it's page 1084 in that blue paperback Bible, that pew Bible, if you're grabbing one of those. When you get there, look up at me and say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. All right. Follow along and have your eyes on Scripture. We'll be reading verses 1 through 11 this morning. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, say Jesus, Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are glad that you're here, and we are starting a new series today entitled Attitude Adjustment. And um, just by a show of hands, did you ever hear growing up, um, you need an attitude adjustment, mister? Right? Awesome. Okay. So we're all on the same page. Um, I have three kids, six, four, and two. So we say that phrase a lot um, at the Jordan household about attitude adjustment. But I want to start with this story, and then this will dive us in. This is a picture of Sir Christopher Wren. And he is a a famous English architect and mathematician, but the most famous for constructing St. Paul's Cathedral over there in London. And so um, this is one of the most beautiful sites that you can go over and see. And he was genius in constructing this. And the construction began in 1669. And he actually saw it to completion, and it's still there today. If you go over and tour, you can go by. It's one of the highly um, um, tourist and visited places over there. But in the middle of the construction, um, the morale was sort of waning, and they were behind schedule. And so Sir Christopher Wren, to be sort of the logical process systems guy that he was, sort of sent a spy out among the laborers to ask them sort of what was going on. And the story is told that he sent someone out to ask three workers the very same question. And he asked the simple question, what are you doing? And the first man responded with, I am cutting stone for 10 shillings a day. That's what I'm doing. The next man replied, I'm putting in 10 hours a day on this job. But then the last man, when he was asked, what are you doing, he responded with, I am helping Sir Christopher build one of the most beautiful cathedrals in all of the world. What's the difference? The difference was the outlook, or to say it, the attitude 
of what they were doing. Now, one of the things that we always want to do here at Westside is we want to show you that the Bible is applicable to your life. That the Bible speaks of all areas of your life. And so I know, listen, going into the holiday season, it's already November, by the way. I felt like 4th of July was last week, but is that just me? Like, I was in a gas station. They were already playing Christmas music and all of that stuff, okay? So I know this. I've been pastoring for a while. I've, I've been doing this church thing, and, and I know people. And I know for a lot of you going into the holiday season, um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. For some of you, um, that person's not going to be around the table this year. Or you're going to be somewhere different because of the family conflict. Or there's just a lot of things going on. And so looking at this, I want us to go into this holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and Advent right around the corner. But I want us to look at what the scriptures say um, about our attitude, about our mindset as we look into this holiday season, but also how we deal with every area of our life. Because I think if Sir Christopher Wren sent a spy in here today and asked three people, what are you doing, there would be different responses. Maybe even people living in the same season of life, going through the same thing, but the outlook is different as to what's taking place. And so as I studied and, and, and looked at this word attitude, right, Um, The Oxford English Dictionary, which is the standard for the English language, defines attitude this way. A settled way of thinking or feeling about something. And I love that. A settled way of thinking or feeling about something. So your attitude is the settled way in which you are viewing any situation. But when you look at the etymology, which is the history of the word, it comes from a Latin painting word. Painters used it. And here's why. Because if you were painting on the big canvas and your teacher or the person that you were under walked by and saw you painting and you had a poor posture, he or she would say, adjust your attitude toward the painting. Because why? Because if you had a poor, slouchy attitude, the painting or the work that you were doing would reveal and would show that. That it was literally a posture that it affected the work in which you were doing. But we're not here just to study sort of attitude and all of that. Um, question, should the topic that we're talking about be in the Bible and the passage that we just read? Yeah, we're not interested in um, talking about the Bible. We want to study the Bible. And so look in verse 5 of the passage. The Apostle Paul says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Really quick, how many of your Bible translations say attitude? Anybody? Awesome, cool. I know what translation you have, all right? It's a good translation. That's awesome. Um, Because the word mind in the ESV is translated in the NIV or NASB in King James as attitude, because that's the word. This is what it actually looks like in the original Greek for two of you that care. It's um, for a nao. Is, is the word. And I normally don't do this because, you know, a lot of times preachers dive into stuff and then all of a sudden the Bible becomes some code that I have to decode and I can't understand it or anything like that. No, no, no. You can trust your translation. It's the word for anao, which means posture or the way of thinking. 
And what's interesting is the Apostle Paul uses this word very intentionally through the rest of the New Testament. But there's one passage that I want to show you. And it's in Romans chapter 8. He says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's the exact same word. So let's read it this way. Those who live according to the flesh have their attitude on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their attitude on what the Spirit desires. So it's all about this way of thinking, this way of seeing. And what I love about it is, look in the passage and look in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. The Apostle Paul is, is writing to a group of Christians. And he says, hey, the Christian community should look like this. Which is great. Verses 3 and 4 are awesome. But you should be asking questions when you read the Bible. Verses 3 and 4 are great, Paul, but how? How in my home do we look out for other people who, um, and count them more important than ourselves? And he says, your attitude. Your attitude needs adjusting in order to do that. And so for a working definition for our series, this is what we're, how we're going to define attitude. My attitude is the lens through which I view life. That's your attitude. My attitude is the lens through which I view life. Um, so the older I get, the more I'm, I'm dependent upon my glasses. And um, I don't have horrible vision, but just enough to sort of make it an inconvenience. And so um, I've, I've been wanting to try out some new lenses and some new frames. And so I'm wondering maybe if you guys could help me on some five maybe common lenses or common attitudes that we have. Here's the first one that I want to try out. Um, Warby Parker calls this one entitled. I think it looks pretty good, right? Right? Listen, I'm just, I'm trying to get a point across, okay? I'm a desperate preacher to try to get you to understand something. If my attitude is the lens through which I view life, and if I'm wearing these bad boys, then it's all about me, baby. I'm like Terrell Owens. I love me some me, right? And it's not just, right, um, 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 do you think an entitled attitude is probably something that's pretty prevalent right now in our culture? Yes, 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 right? Because everybody's a snowflake, right? You know what I'm saying? And so I, I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. You should behave around me a certain way because I'm me and I'm entitled to this. And it doesn't matter if I'm late. And it doesn't matter this because I'm me. So you just have to deal with me because I'm entitled. And it's the lens through which I view life. And sometimes that can come out in insecurities, Right? So it's um, you walk by in church on Sunday and you see people having a conversation. You walk away and go, oh, my gosh, they were talking about me. I knew I shouldn't have wore this shirt today. Oh, they're so mad at me. I didn't sign up for the bread shed thing. And they're going to the bread shed thing. And now they're not going to ask me to go to the bread shed thing. And now they hate me. Oh, it's all about me. <laughs> I mean, am I lying? Okay. Because why? Because I'm looking at everything in life through the lens of entitlement. 
The next pair of frames, um, I, I really like. I think they look pretty good. Um, but I'm a little bitter about it, though, you know. Bitterness. People, um, if my attitude is the lens through which I view life, then I'm mad about everything. Your Facebook status, all that, I'm mad. And most of the time, um, bitter people are bitter because they've been hurt. And listen, I'm not discounting that today. But hurt people hurt people. And so maybe some of you have been given this lens and I understand that you, did, you didn't ask for this lens. I understand that. But what we're going to learn in this series is, is we choose to put these on. And so if I'm viewing everything through bitterness, then my whole f- life is a fight. And so I'm always defensive. And I'm never going to receive correction well because my attitude is the lens through which I view life. And I'm mad about this and my family needs to get it together and she never understands this and all of this stuff. And, and I'm bitter. Entitlement, bitterness, or how about this one, right? I don't really like these frames at all. I'm kind of cynical about it. They sent them to me for free, but I'm mad because I had to pay shipping. They didn't come like Amazon Prime comes, two days. Goodness gracious, right? I mean, I went through McDonald's the other day and waited seven and a half minutes for chicken nuggets. Thanks a lot, Obama. I mean, I'm just saying stuff I hear, right? 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 And so nothing's good with these lenses on. Hey, check it out. Awesome. We got a new house. Oh, you bought that house? Really? Hey, check it out. We just painted our kid's nursery. That color? Well, I mean, I wouldn't have, but anyway, okay. So, like, my generation loves being cynical, but yet creates nothing. So oftentimes, cynical people create nothing but criticize what other creative people are creating. And so listen, when everything is cynical, you will ruin every relationship around you. So how's it going today? Well, it's going okay, but it's probably going to rain. Oh man, our kid's sleeping through the night. (laughs) Just wait because they won't much longer. Okay, I'm sorry you're mad, all right? I'm sorry you have a demon baby, but I don't, all right? Listen, listen. My attitude is the lens through which I view life. And when I choose to put on these lenses, I'm going to see everything that way. I think a cynical attitude is pretty common. This one's definitely common in our culture, right? Rebel, rebellious, right? No left turn. <laughs> Watch this, buddy, right? Or how about this? Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's dumb. We're not doing that. Why? No, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. It seems old-fashioned to me. I mean, we have iPhones now. It's 2018. We're going to live on Mars in five years. Are you kidding me? Rebel, baby. Rebel without a cause. And so nowadays, do you know what I think is actually rebellious? Um, like marry your spouse, don't cheat on them, read your Bible, and hold down a job for 40 years. 
You are like a rebel with a cause at that point. Why? Because nobody's doing that. And oftentimes what I find people who who just have a naturally rebellious attitude, those people are lost and they're looking for a cause. And they don't want to conform and they don't want to do any of that because my attitude is the lens through which I view life. And then I think absolutely in this day and age, this is the last set of frames that they sent me, but I'm not really satisfied with them. Because I'm going to look online and find another set of frames, and I'm going to like those. I'm going to wear those for a couple months. I'm not really going to like those. Again, I'm going to send those back. Um, discontentment. Because nowadays we buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And so it's the dream house, and it's the marriage, and it's the boat, and the house, and the picket fence, and all of that. And yet... Our country and people in general are never satisfied. Discontentment. Why Why are we talking about this? Why are we doing an entire series on attitude? And if attitude is the lens through which I view life, I want you to understand this. My attitude affects every aspect of my life. Every aspect. When I pull up in the driveway and put my car in park and walk into my home, what lenses am I wearing? Is it me? Is it discontentment? Is it bitterness? Is it being cynical? Is it being a rebel? What lenses am I wearing? When I enter into a conversation with my spouse about something, what lenses am I wearing? Am I cynical? Is it I'm going to defend myself and expose your flaws All of those things. Listen, this is why this is important. Because your attitude and the lens through which you view life affects every aspect of your life. And so now in Philippians 2, we are in our passage. And the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of churches and a group of Christians. And he tells them, it's so interesting, attitude I mean, Philippians chapter 1, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for your partnership in the gospel with me. I remember you always in my prayers. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But hey, by the way, now that you're living life together as Christians, what lens are you looking through? And these verses are like, if there's mountain peaks in the Bible, this is a mountain peak that we're at today, Philippians chapter 2. Most scholars believe that it was a hymn sung in the early church. And it talks about Jesus pre-existing, second member of the Trinity. I mean, a part of the Godhead and talking about the incarnation and coming and taking the form of a servant and emptying himself, but not being less God, but being fully man and fully. I mean, it is beautiful, but we can't get bogged down in the deep theology and miss the crux. Verse five is the thesis of the verse that he's writing. And here's what Paul says. This is fascinating. Do you want to know what Jesus' attitude was when he was here on earth? Do you want to know what the mind and attitude of Christ was? Do you want to know what Jesus was thinking while he was here on earth? Well, let me tell you. And then he tells us and he says, this should be your attitude or the lens through which you view life. Listen, I believe that if we apply what we are going to learn in this series, I believe your marriage can change. 
I believe your parenting can change. I believe your job and environment can change because our attitude is the lens through which we view life. But how do we adjust it? How do we change it? And drop down and look at the very last verse, verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessed, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's how our attitude adjusts. My attitude adjusts by acknowledging that Jesus is Lord over my attitude. And that's something we don't like to talk about as Christians. Sure, Jesus is Lord of the sovereign cosmos and universe, and he beat sin, death, hell, and he is very God of God. And yes, I trust him with my salvation, but I just don't feel happy right now. If Jesus is Lord over our salvation and everything in our life, then he's Lord over our attitude. And my attitude adjusts by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what we're going to see is through the attitude of Christ that Jesus had a selfless attitude, a servant attitude, and a submissive attitude. That's what Paul says in these verses. So what was the mind of Christ? How do I have the mind of Jesus by acknowledging that he is Lord? The first thing is this, a selfless attitude. Verse 5, have this mind, attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Here it is, verse 6. Who, though he was in the forum of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So this is um, something that we would challenge maybe Jehovah's Witnesses or some other streams of faith on. Question, if Jesus was in the form of God and God has always existed, then my logical conclusion is, is that Jesus Christ has always existed, correct? But then it says this, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And then verse 7 says, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. So this is very controversial. We have an early church council talking about this because a lot of people said, oh, well, when Jesus um, became a human and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he wasn't really fully God. And, 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 and he was only fully God in the moments like when he fed the 5,000 with the kids lunchable and like this, that, and the other. Like then he was God, but he wasn't God all the time. He like moved in and out of his godness. Wrong. We believe, and the scriptures teach, 100% God, 100% man. For the two of you care, the theological phrase is the hypostatic union of Christ. And I love what John Calvin, the father of the Protestant Reformation, said. He said it this way. Christ, indeed, could not divest himself of the Godhead, but he kept it concealed for a time. And he laid it aside, his glory, in the view of men, not lessening it, but by concealing it. So I tried to think today, how in the world am I going to try to illustrate like one of the deepest theological concepts found in Scripture? And then it hit me, undercover boss. So I'm sorry, it's just the way my mind works. I'm a simple man, okay? Remember this show, right? Undercover boss, super cool. CEOs of like, you know, Amazon and stuff like that go undercover and literally become an employer in their business. And I lo- this was one of the best episodes, man, right? I mean, you can't hide that smile. Are you kidding me, man? We know who that is. That's showtime, man, you know? But question, is it still him on the right when he's changed his appearance. Is he still Deion Sanders? Is it still him? It's still fully him, right? 
Listen, that's what we understand, and we're going to celebrate that coming up in Christmas in the Incarnation. God became man. That literally, if God is writing a story in the person of Jesus Christ, God wrote himself into the script. He wasn't less God or less man. But what's the application to this? Because remember, we're thinking about attitude, and Jesus had a selfless attitude. And it says that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or better translated, demanded. Man, because Jesus could have split the sky open, come down and said, are you guys kidding me? I am sovereign God of the cosmos. Bow down and worship me. But yet he lived life. And the application that we can draw from is this. Self-centeredness always leads to self-destruction. We can see that Jesus Christ had a selfless mindset, not self-centered. And listen, do you want to know how to sabotage your marriage right now? I mean, just I mean, you can ruin your marriage before lunch. You ready? Make it all about you. Yeah, but Jason, you know about my spouse, and they're struggling, and they've always done that, and they're always failing, and they're okay. Question: Is it the worst it's ever been? Yes. Awesome. Because you promised to be here right now, the worst it's ever been. For better or for worse, until death do us part. Hey, parents, do you want to warp your babies and make them grow up to be just shattered, broken adults? Live vicariously through your kids and let your kids' childhood actually be about you. Do you want to just ruin a church and have a cancer at the center and at the heart of it? Then make it about you because self-centeredness always leads to self-destruction, which is the opposite of what the world says the attitude that you should have. Because the world says that your attitude should be self-fulfillment. So people are waiting way longer to get married, way longer to have kids, way longer to join churches, switching jobs all the time, doing all of that. Why? Because right when the level of commitment rises and it becomes difficult and you have to sacrifice something within yourself and it doesn't feel right, and my attitude is the lens through which I view life, then you hit the eject button and you opt out of it. But Jesus doesn't teach self-fulfillment. One of the requirements, what he says in Luke's gospel is this. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What's Jesus saying? Take off the lenses that you're wearing now and a lens that I have for you is called a cross. And bear it. And pick it up. Self-centeredness always leads to self-destruction. And it's a lie and conflict within ourselves. Because here's what you think. If I don't look out for me, then how will I get joy in life? Because nobody else is looking out for me. And we understand this. Self-denial always leads to selfless joy. Listen. The taking off those lenses and putting on the lens of Christ does not take you from your joy. And that's the lie that the enemy wants you to believe. That's the lie from the garden, from Genesis 3. 
That God's holding out on you. So God's plan for marriage is actually not that great. And the way that you should use your money, not that great. And the way that your dating life should happen, not that great. And the way that God's plan is for your parenting, that's not going to be fun. And it's nothing but a list of rules. And it's never going to be great. So what you need to do is you need to go around God. Because when you go around God, then true joy will enter into your life. And listen, when your joy is dependent upon you, you will be miserable in life. Miserable. Because listen, look up here. You make a horrible God. You can't even change the people around you, much less fulfill your own heart's desires. So have this mind that is yours in Christ Jesus, this attitude of selflessness, take off the me glasses, put on the other's glasses, and then when you do that, it leads us to the next one, a servant attitude. Do you see what it says? Verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Wow, the point's right there in the text. Jason, that's fascinating. Yeah. But listen, listen. Do you see the progression in the text? Now, Jesus had a mindset and an attitude which then allowed him to do something. So there was something that had, there was a board meeting that happened in heaven before eternity passed, is what Ephesians 1 says. Revelation chapter 1, that a bloody covenant was signed before the foundations of the earth. I can't explain that. And if you have a systematic theology that does explain that, it's wrong. Don't put God in boxes. That's all I'm saying, okay? But there was this board meeting, and uh, the Holy Trinity and the Holy Spirit was like, man, this is going to be great. God the Father was like, Jesus, this is going to be great. And Jesus was like, that's awesome. I have this attitude, so now I'm going to take all the form of a servant. It wasn't taking on the form of a servant and then being selfless. And this is something we have to understand. My actions are determined by my attitude. My actions follow my attitude. Parents, look up here. We are not into behavior modification. It is not just your child's behavior that you're interested in. You're interested in your child's mind and heart and what lens they are looking through life. That's why many of us struggle with addiction in here. And it's constantly actions. How can I change the action? How can I change the action? How can I change the action? And that's like mowing your lawn. There's no, I, I love mowing my lawn. I love putting those crisp lines in there. And then after I go inside and shower, I stand in front of the window like I did that. <laughs> hey, babe, did you check out the lawn today? Somebody mowed it. Oh, it was me. Dishwasher's empty too, by the way. No, I'm just, right? Y'all pray for my wife. That's true. That's true, okay? But when you mow your lawn, and then the next morning, I look, and there's the dandelion right in the middle of the lawn. I just mowed it last night. That's what's going to happen if you're only interested in action. You're trying to do that. You're trying to change things, and you're trying to do that. And next thing you know, boop, there it is. Oh, no. Because actions are the fruit, but our attitude is the root. But here's where it gets super scary, okay? Jesus warns us about serving. Because sin is so sneaky that on the outside, you can have the t-shirt of servant, but you can be looking through the lens of me. Sin is so sneaky that while you're serving others, you're actually serving yourself. Parents, you know this, right? 
Um, hey, I need you to clean your room. Hey, I need you to clean your room. Hey, did you take the trash out? Hey, did you take the trash out? And then finally, you lay down the parent card. If you do not take the trash out, you're going to have nothing but a mattress in your room, okay? Take the trash out. And then you hear... I mean, you think they're going to pass out from how much they're exhaling. Take a breath. Question. They're doing what, they, what you ask them to do, right? But how's the attitude? Adrian Rogers tells a story one time that there was a little girl in church and she kept standing up on the pew and she kept standing up on the pew and the mom said, sit down. She kept standing up on the pew and she said, sit down. And then finally she sat her down and she said, if you get up again, I'm gonna take you to the bathroom. And the little girl looked at her and she said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> Love the poor. Take care of those around you. Love your wives like Christ loved the church. Be submissive and honoring of your husbands. And you might be sitting down on the outside, but our hearts are standing up on the inside. It's what Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others and other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's why we have to deny ourselves. It starts with our attitude and our frame of mind. And then the actions follow. And listen... If you are full of yourself, it's because you're always serving yourself. Jesus was able to empty himself and be filled with the Father's glory because he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And many of us are begging for God to do something in our life and to change our actions and to do all of that. But listen, God can't fill us up because we're already so full of ourselves. It starts with a selfless attitude, which leads into a servant attitude. But the key of all of it is the last one, a submissive attitude. Look at verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming. Do you see? I saw that this this week, the action. Verse 7. But emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Verse 8. By being found uh, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. And not just obedient, Paul. How obedient, Paul? To the point of death. But not just death. How obedient was the death, Paul? To even death on a cross. You know what's interesting about this? Why the um, fully God and fully man aspect of Jesus is so important is because we see the nature and character of God and who he is in Christ. But we also see the proper mindset and attitude of the perfect form of a human being. And we know a lot, a lot about the cross, that there was actually a time when, when Jesus, the night that he was to be betrayed talked to his father about about his attitude. Look at what he says in Matthew 26. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. God, I feel this way. 
I feel this way, and I have this mind, and I'm looking through this lens, but... But because I know you're good and I know the plan and I'm going to trust you, I'm going to take off those lenses of my attitude and I'm going to put on the lens of your will. And so from this verse, we can understand how to actually deal with our attitude. And it's not, listen, I don't suppress my attitude. That's never going to go well for you, okay? Many of you grew up in a home where you don't talk about it. You sweep it under the rug. And yes, we have problems that we're not going to mention it. And we're not going to have prayer requests. And we're not going to do that. And we suppress our attitude. And then someday someone loses their mind because the volcano erupts. Jesus doesn't suppress his attitude. But then also this, I don't spill my attitude. I don't just dump it all the time, right? So it's like a glass that's full. Like, do you know these people? That they're so full of bitterness or cynicism or anything like that, that just a little nudge and a little bump, that stuff spills out everywhere. I don't suppress it and I don't spill it. I submit it. I'm honest. Hey, this is the way that I'm feeling right now. And this is my attitude. So when I pull into the driveway and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I don't want to go in and I don't want to have a selfless, servant, submissive attitude, I don't suppress it, I don't spill it, but I submit that to Jesus Christ. And I say that you are good and I feel this way, but I'm taking off this lens and I'm giving it to you. Listen, our attitude adjusts by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord over our attitude. And listen, you cannot control other people's attitudes, but you can control your attitude towards other people. You cannot control other people's attitudes, but you can control your attitude towards other people. So as we close, the band's going to come and lead us in a time of response, and I have just a few questions that I want to ask you for application because we don't want to be just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. We want to adjust our attitude in light of the lordship of Jesus Christ. The first question is this. What's my attitude towards life right now? What lens are you looking through? Is it discontentment? Is it bitterness? A rebellious attitude? What is it? What lens are you looking through life at right now? And the second thing is this. Where can I see my attitude and my actions Our actions are a good gauge, but they're a poor guide. They can't guide you, but you can gauge where you're at. Oh, the reason why I'm so defensive all the time with my spouse is because I'm so cynical. I've created this hostile environment in my home that nothing's ever good enough. Or I've, man, I'm bitter and I can see the bitterness in my kids' actions because of my actions. Where do you see that in your life? But then lastly, this. How does Jesus' attitude change your attitude? (laughs) He always existed, but not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped. Listen, we are Christians. We are the only people in the world who have a God who we didn't have to work our way up the mountain to find him, but rather God came down the mountain to find us. And obedient, and not just obedient, but obedient to death. And not just death, but death on a cross. Shame, guilt, humiliation, all of that. And listen, you take off the lenses that you're looking through life by bowing at the feet of Calvary. Because you cannot be at the base of Calvary and look through bitter 
cynical, entitled lenses. You know why? Because your eyes are too filled with tears. You have to take the glasses off. We're going to have a corporate prayer after each one of these sessions during this series. And I want you to keep this. Pray this throughout the week. So Westside, stand right where you're at. You have an insert in your bulletin. And let us lift our voices out loud today and ask God to adjust our attitude in light of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's pray out loud. Lift your voices. Lord, thank you for your divine truth. Your word is truth. Thank you for loving me pursuing us and conforming us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. I choose to submit all of my attitude to you in this moment and pray that you will begin the process of transformation in me. I want to change my life. I want to experience the unhindered joy and blessings that you have promised to those who repent from their sins and trust in Jesus Christ change my attitude for your own pleasure. Do that work in me, oh God, and begin today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we submit our attitude to you. I don't know what attitudes were had when we walked into this place today, but as we come up to the table and we see a selfless, servant, submissive attitude in the elements of a body broken in the blood shed, I pray that we would take off those glasses that we would leave them here at this table and that we would pick up the mind and attitude of Christ Jesus. God, I believe that you're gonna change marriages. I believe that you're gonna change people by changing our hearts and changing our minds, not by looking within ourselves, but looking to the person of Jesus Christ. Adjust our attitude today. We pray this all in the holy and in the name above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Would you come forward and partake in communion as you feel led today?